Welcome back to the State of Recruiting, your weekly Longhorn Recruiting Podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. Uh, the State of Recruiting is brought to you by Horns 24-7 and the Horns 24-7 network of shows. We've got a lot of great shows over there, so please go check out our iTunes feed. Give us a subscribe, rate, and review. A uh, five-star review with a question gets answered in our mailbag segment. Um, and we would also like to point you to the other great shows on our network, including the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and the Longhorn Blitz with Rob Babers and Jeff Howe. Uh, before we uh, get into our show today, Nick, uh, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Can't complain. It's been a busy few weeks. So we haven't had an opportunity to get on here recently, but uh, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I had a couple of solo shows, and, and then we didn't do one last week. We're, we're kind of still figuring out our schedule. It's still the early part of, of um, you know, I guess the the season, so our schedules aren't majorly effective, but we're probably going to have to start moving the show uh, to Wednesdays, uh, especially once the the regular season gets gets up and running, and then so we'll, you know we'll talk about that. We'll figure out a a good time for that, but um, we're we're gonna get into kind of the early season stuff we've been to already. Um, I, I went to my first game last week. You've been out on the road for a couple for a couple weeks, and then um, we'll talk about where we're going next week for sure. Um, recruiting wise, there's just not much going on right now. Uh, you know, I've, I've done some checking around and. Um, you know, I think that it's a lot of guys are getting ready for the season, and the staff has been maniacally recruiting since they got here, but now it's time for them to put their first product on the field. So I think that the staff is really taking a step back this week and really focusing in on, um, on, on you know, getting dialed in for the season as well. So um, there's just not a ton going on. Nick and I are going to talk kind of about the guys we've seen out on the road so far. Um, and, and then we'll talk a little basketball recruiting um, and, and get to the mailbag questions. But there just isn't a ton this week, so uh, that's really what's going on. Nick, um, let's start with you. Uh, the first week of the season, you didn't really see anybody that pertained to Texas um, as far as at least offer targets or commitments or anything. But uh, you did go out to East Texas. Who did you see out there? Yeah, I went out to uh, Sabine in Spring Hill. Sabine has a 2023 defensive back, Caden uh, Fortson, who I personally think will probably be one of the top defensive backs in the state for 2023. Uh, he's already got great size for uh, an incoming sophomore, and uh, he has great skills as well. And they had him playing safety. Uh, they have him playing safety this year after playing mainly cornerback in his freshman year. Um, but he looked great. Uh, he's, he's still very raw from a technique standpoint. Uh, but he's a headhunter. He took off. He took off at least two heads uh, across the middle of the field uh, against Spring Hill and and led them to a win actually. Uh, so yeah, I, I like Caden Fortson's potential, and uh, I'm curious to see where he is a year from now. Yeah, I, I kid we saw I guess at that Durant camp in Oklahoma, and then you you got to see him on the field. Um, and then last week you went to uh, you went out to see a big Texas target in 2022 uh, at Brendan Thompson uh, at Spearman. Uh, talk about your experience up in the Panhandle and and what you saw to Brendan. Definitely mo- the most unique game I've ever covered. Um, first off, it was the first grass field game I've covered in probably probably a couple of years. And then I had another grass game the very next day. I just went out to East Texas to see Burkeville and Overton uh, just for the fun of it. But uh, going back to the Spearman game, yeah, Brennan looked really good, really explosive. It was kind of hard to tell, uh, you know, how well he stacks up against good competition just because he was playing a Sanford Fritch team who was uh, – 
typically um, uh, below average there in 3A. Uh, he had six touches for, I believe, four touchdowns. So uh, And they were kicking away from him on punts and kickoffs. So he didn't get to touch the ball as, as much as uh, you know you might see him in a Canadian game where they play Canadian uh, right at the beginning of October. Uh, but, yeah, he, he looks really good. Already got some pretty good size. He's a little thin, but uh, I think in a couple these next couple of years he'll be able to bulk up and be ready for a college program. And especially once he gets in a college strength program, he'll be ready to go. How is it he doesn't touch the ball every – like, I, I guess how is it he doesn't play quarterback for them? I would just have the ball in that kid's hands every play. You know, that's what I was thinking too. I think they were, I thought they were going to run a lot of Wildcat with him, but uh, they honestly didn't. They had a pretty good quarterback that uh, struggled in the first quarter but kind of settled in in the second and third before they pulled the starters in the fourth. Uh, and they also have a big, uh, big frame receiver uh, on the other side uh, of Brennan. And um, they just kind of use him as well. And uh, they got a couple of weapons on that Spearman team. I could see them make a, a deep playoff run. And, you know, I feel like we could be talking about the Lynx in December. All right. Um, I went out for the first time last week and saw Pleasant Grove. Anybody who knows me or has listened to the show knows the affinity I have for that program and that head coach. And so uh, our good friend Andrew Hattersley, who, who works for our A&M site, was going out to see them, uh, asked me to help set up uh, him getting there. And so I thought, what the heck, if you're driving, I'll, I'll ride with and, and I'll go see – uh, I'll go see the Hawks play against Argyle and probably the game of the week, I would I would say, uh, at least on paper. And, um, you know, Pleasant Grove had a pretty tough time with Argyle. That's a that's a really good Argyle team. And I heard an Argyle coach after the game say that that, that was the best team they felt they've had since they've been there. So, um, you know, you're talking about a team that, that has won state and has played for it a couple times, um, always in the mix. So really scary-looking Argyle team. Um, you know, just talking to, to guys like Landon Jackson – it sounds like Texas is still in contact there, but um, you know it, he seems pretty locked into LSU, especially following their weekend visit uh, to to LSU, kind of like the Sooner Summit type of thing. They did a, uh, I think they called it the Tiger Turnout, um, and it seems like he's pretty locked in. But he said he is still talking regularly to Texas and to Texas A and M, uh, just in case a contingency plan is needed. Uh, Marcus Burris seems pretty locked into A and M. The kid that I really love and, and really want people to keep an eye on is Nick Martin, the the linebacker and running back at at Pleasant Grove. He's a guy that's starting to get more attention. He was injured towards the end of last year um, and, and injured in camp, so he didn't get a lot of coaches to see him. And so, um, you know, he's been phenomenal for the first two games. Um, offers from Tech and uh, Kansas State, just picked up Oklahoma State. So he's getting those type of offers. I think he's really a kid who could step up, and, and I could see Texas maybe targeting him down the line if they, if they need a linebacker there. Uh, Nick, where are you – what are your plans for this week? Uh, I'm going to head out at about noon uh, today as you're listening on Friday – um and uh, head out down to Ganado. It's going to be about a five-hour drive to see Hallettsville and Ganado. We'll see Jonathan Brooks in action for the first time. Uh, and he also is going to be up against a defensive line commit for Kansas that plays for Ganado, Lawson Workman. Uh, so we'll get, get to see him against some pretty good uh, front seven competition. So I'm excited to see what Jonathan Brooks can do in person and, you know, see a new part of the state as well. I was trying to think of what part of the state that's called, and I think we just determined that it's called No Man's Land, you know, right there between San Antonio and Houston. I think it's called the Crossroads. We'll call it the Crossroads call. then. That's where I'm heading. <laughs> see you at the Crossroads. You were going to do some other – I don't know if that's still on your plan, so I don't want to – I know you and I were talking about you were maybe stopping through Austin and seeing some guys. Is that still on the books? 
No, it's not. I'm just going to head out and head through Houston. I uh, wasn't able to get uh, get all of that confirmed. You know, COVID has messed up a lot of things. So may, might be able to try that here in a, here in a couple of weeks. Man, I'll tell you what. I've I've been, recently I've been like just probing around with schools. Hey, can I come out? Like today, in fact, as we're recording this on Thursday, this afternoon I'm going to go to Everman and watch Juan Davis practice. But that's like right down the street from me. And but I still had to clear a bunch of hurdles with the head coach. And um, you know, it's just it's kind of the way it's going to be this year. Even talking to, I had set something up for Frisco, and, and Frisco told me, you know, basically you could take pictures, but you can't talk to the kids directly. And um, you know, you can't be up close to them. You could take pictures basically from the sideline, and that's it. And so I don't know that it's worth my time to drive to Frisco just to get a couple <laughs> of pictures and not be able to talk to any kids. So, um, you know, we'll see. It's going to be tough this year, tough sledding for sure. We're, we're going to be happy with what we can get. That's our mantra. Um, so, yeah, that's going to do it for the football portion. Nick, let's jump right into basketball. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, Texas got a recruitment – or, uh, sorry, a commitment um, since we last talked. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, they uh, landed a commit from combo guard Tamar Bates. He's out of uh, the IMG Academy. He'll be playing his senior year at IMG this year. He played his first three seasons in Kansas City at Piper High School. Uh, actually made the state championship with Piper last year, helped lead them there last year, uh, and, and the game got canceled because of COVID. So uh, they were crowned co-state champions, uh, Piper and um, the team they were playing. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but Tamar Bates is an interesting prospect. He's uh, someone on the board compared him to R.J. Barrett, and I really like that comparison. He's a nice spot-up left-handed shooter. Uh, he plays really well on defense. Um, I think he's going to serve a really big shooting guard role with Texas, and he could be a three-, four-year starter for them. Uh, I, I think he can jump into Austin next year and start right off the bat. Uh, he's a he's a kid that Neil Barry uh, prioritized and Shaka Smart as well. Um, and Tamar committed based off of uh, relationships that he had with the coaching staff. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I really like this commitment, and uh, he's a top 100 player after our most recent rankings updates on 24-7. Um, and this class is starting to build up and look pretty nice. So since we last talked, also Jay Lucas had left for Kentucky. I asked kind of, you know, is this going to be an, an issue for maybe their top targets, a guy like Davian Collins, who we talked about on the show a lot. Um, where do things currently stand with him? Um, yeah, the, the Jay Lucas departure to Kentucky definitely hurts the Damian Collins recruitment. Uh, if I had to put a pin on it right now, I would definitely say Oklahoma is the leader. And if Jay Lucas hadn't have left, I think uh, Collins would be a Longhorn commit by now. Um, he was looking to make a decision right before September 1st, but uh, obviously a lot of things changed in his recruitment. And then uh, Kentucky offered after uh, Coach Lucas took the job. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts now in his recruitment, and I think this is one that will probably – go into October and November and uh, maybe even later than that he's just going to kind of take a step back and reevaluate all of his options right now but honestly I mean on the bright side that's probably the only recruit that the uh, departure of Jay Lucas immediately affects right now I mean there are a lot of kids in the 2022 class that uh, coach Lucas was um, the main recruiter on but they have a lot of time to you know regroup with those guys uh, with coach Barry or with uh, coach KT Turner who's coming in from SMU um, and just kind of uh, reevaluate their uh, their position on, in those recruitments but definitely hurts the Damian Collins recruitment immediately um, but Texas is still in the mix right there I think he still has 
a really good relationship with Coach Smart. Um, I think Coach Barry is getting involved now as well. Uh, Coach Turner knows him as well from his SMU days, recruiting, trying to recruit him to SMU. So he already has a pre-existing relationship with Damian. Um, so we'll just see where it goes from here, but it's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on uh, here in the next couple of months. You mentioned you really like the way the class is filling out. Um, you know, what is what is it about the class or what's the makeup look like that um, I guess that, that you like so much about it? Uh, I think it's a, just a lot of guys that Texas was really early in evaluating that is and a couple that are already starting to blow up and then, you know, one more that uh, will have a blow up. Uh, they offered uh, David Joplin, got a commitment from David Joplin. I guess we're sitting about a month and a half ago now. Um, he was a kid that was outside the top players in the country and has now found himself a four, four-star prospect and a top 75 recruit in the country. Um, you know, he's a kid that a lot of people in 24-7 sports, Brian Snow, uh, Travis Branham, they really like the upside of this kid. Um, I, I think Texas did a great job in evaluating him early and prioritizing him early and being able to land a commitment all the way out from Wisconsin with uh, some regional schools involved. Um, and they were able to fight off some, uh, some major schools as well, like Butler uh, and Vanderbilt. Um, and then you also have Imarion Ellis from Davenport, Iowa. Uh, that's a kid that they, another kid that they put a really early evaluation on. Uh, Texas is by far his biggest offer, uh, but now he's a four-star, four-star recruit, um, and he's already uh, having a, a big um, season up there in Iowa. So, uh, you know, these are kids that. Um, they they put an early evaluation on. Kean Itijere is another one. He hasn't quite blown up yet, but I think once he gets going out at Grace Christian School in Raleigh, uh, we'll start to see him move up in the rankings. So, you know, these are kids that I think they did a great job in evaluating early, and right now they're already starting to put that on the court. All right. Well, thanks for that uh, basketball update, Nick. And uh, like we mentioned, this has kind of been a slow week. Um, we don't have a recruit interview this week, so going to be a shorter show, but we're going to jump right into the mailbag here. Um, as always, you can get your mailbag questions to uh, to us on the Horns 24-7 message board when we put it up, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we will uh, see it there. In fact, I've got two uh, five-star reviews from iTunes we're going to start with this week. Uh, the first one from I'm a Monkey says uh, there were rumblings that LJ Johnson was close to committing around the time Quinn Ewers committed. Do you have any idea where that stands as of now or the accuracy of that report? Also, do you think Andrew Makuba could be headed somewhere? Um, yeah, so with with LJ, obviously, you know, we're we're extremely uh, confident in, in where Texas stands with him. Um, that our, I think our crystal balls reflect that. Um, it was actually right before Quinn, I guess, that we probably changed those picks. Uh, but Nothing that um, that said that he was, you know, looking to commit at that point in time. Actually, I mentioned it, I think, on radio or something that I'd heard a rumor right around that time that Kamar was looking to commit, uh, but ultimately found that there was no substance to it. So uh, with LJ, I think that Texas is in a good spot, but I, I don't think he's looking to commit right now. So uh, I don't I don't know if there was any accuracy to that. Uh, with Andrew Makuba, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but it's just kind of all over the place with that kid. I mean, it, it really is. It's depending on who you talk to. I think if you if you listen, the constants in his recruitment are, are Texas and, and Clemson. I think it's going to come down really tight to those two. I know Charles Wright has been working on him really hard, um, but they're. Uh, I, I'm hearing less and less confidence actually from Texas and, and people around Texas. So um, I think it, it's really going to come down to it. Can he make that decision to leave home and go to a place he's never seen before? Yeah, um, I'm hoping to have a Makuba update 
hopefully Friday. I'm hoping to get on the phone with him since I wasn't able to uh, to get out to LBJ. Uh, so maybe we'll have more on, on Makuba uh, here pretty soon. Um, our next question uh, from Rochi Blanco 17 says, great podcast. I enjoy interviews with the prospects. Uh, we get to know them better as people and not just football players. Thank you. Uh, question, in the August 30th media availability, someone asked Tom Herman who would be the backup quarterback, Casey or Hudson. Is Hudson having the type of camp that would make him a serious contender is, uh, for QB2? What's the buzz on him? So we thank you for the five-star review. That's going to be more of a team question. I would probably direct that towards the flagship um, and Chip Brown. But from what I've heard, Hudson had a really strong camp, but I think Casey is, is pretty firmly entrenched as the number two guy. Um, all right, let's go to the board. Uh, from JF10357 says, In 2022, I've seen Mecca Megwa and Jadarian Price both talked about as linebackers and running backs. What position do you think Texas would be likely to recruit them at? I have definitely heard of a Mecca Megwa on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think I've heard anybody talk about Jadarian Price on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, so I think that for Price, for schools, he, he is 100% a running back. Megwa, I think, has – there's a lot of, of difference there. I think that it, when you're looking at, like, maybe Big 12 schools, they might see him as a defensive prospect, whereas, like, pack, uh, Big 10 schools – they love those bigger type of running backs, and they see him as a running back. So uh, it's just difference based on scheme, I think, there. But um, I think Texas is probably recruiting him as an athlete with some fluidity to go either way, um, whereas Price, if they are still recruiting him, and, it, you know, last time we talked to him, it seems like the contact dropped off a little bit there. Um, I think he would be strictly a running back. You know, I really like Emeka Megwa uh, as a as a linebacker prospect. I think I've said that on the I've said this on the show before. Um, I, I really like his potential there. I personally think there's a lot more upside on the defensive side of the ball for him. And then for Jadarian Price, I, I believe he's a kid that's just mainly looking to play running back at the next level. Um, and that's where he's getting most of the production at for Denison right now as well. Um, and he's training to be a running back, and he's got some lightning fast uh, – uh, times as well um so i like him at running back all right our next question from griffin mccomb says which five star guys in 2022 does texas have a real shot at pulling uh, bama georgia ohio state and clemson are recruiting their butts off and texas has to get to that level eventually to compete for championships year in and year out um so if we're talking five star guys uh damani jackson was a name that's mentioned um again when we talk about this I think it's important to say Texas is deep in these in these mixes. It's not to say they are the leader. It's not to say they're going to get the guy. Um, but, you know, you have to get into the mix and, and be able to fight credible battles. I think they're there for Devon Jackson. I think they're probably the leader for Devon Campbell. Um, Caleb Burton, I don't have a great feel on. That's probably – Nick's got a probably better feel on him. But I think that they're in the mix at least. Denver Harris, I think they're near the top. Kamari Wilson, I think they're they're near the top. Malik Silla, that's probably a guy they need to do some work with. So um, I would say, and I've said all along, I, and I think I've said even during the spring that this class, is, this staff has done a really good job of getting ahead on twenty two for being new, and I think they put themselves in position with a lot of good guys in twenty two. Yeah, and the Quinn Ewers commitment definitely helps with a lot of these 2022 guys. Um, with the with the names that you listed right here, Damani Jackson, yeah, Texas is right there in the mix. I believe they're going to be a top five school um, if he if he does cut that list to five here in the next couple of months. Devon Campbell, like you said, probably definitely the leader. Texas was very early in offering him, um, and they've done a good job in uh, – 
keeping contact with him. Caleb Burton, I think OU is probably the leader right now, and um, he, he really likes what Oklahoma brings to the table. He has a really strong relationship with Coach Riley. Um, but Texas is right there, especially with the commitment of uh, Quinn Ewers. Uh, that definitely bumped Texas to probably number two. Um, and there's still a lot of time left in his recruitment. I know he wants to get out and see some schools and uh, maybe get on uh, a few official visits before deciding. Denver Harris, another kid right at the top. Um, Texas is right at the top with uh, Ohio State is really involved there. He really likes Ohio State. Um, That was a kid who was mainly waiting until after September 1st just to kind of see where all of his options are. Um, And that's another thing with all these 2022 kids. Now that September 1st has passed, um, these 2022 recruitments are going to get a lot more interesting and a lot more moving parts are going to be happening. and then Kamari Wilson, another kid, Texas is right at the top four. Uh, he's been flirting with Texas a lot on social media uh, in the past weeks, especially since um, uh, Quinn Ewer's commitment. And then uh, Malik Silla, I think A&M is probably the big leader at the moment, uh, but still a lot of time left there. All right, from Hook'em SD, have you talked to recruits or have any idea how much weight they'll put into on-field results this season? With it being such a weird year, how will uh, they weigh wins and losses when there are more factors in on-field performance such as COVID? I think I, – no, I haven't. I haven't asked anybody about this for, first off. Um, I think just from talking to kids and getting a general idea – there are schools that are going to be able to use that excuse if they lose some games. Um, for instance, if Oklahoma has a bit of a down year, I think that kids, especially with their recent performances, will buy that kind of excuse of, of COVID and, and some of the the other factors. LSU, I think, would probably be in there, especially coming off of a, a national championship and losing so many kids. Um, but I certainly think winning helps, and, and winning always helps. So if Texas goes out there and has a great season, I think those wins will be weighed uh, as equally as they would any other time. Yeah, I, I think um, if Texas goes out and puts a solid season um, on both sides of the ball and they can show that uh, um, you know both of these new systems that they're bringing in under Mike Yersich and Chris Ash, they're productive and they can win some big games with it, it's definitely going to help on the recruiting end of things, especially in the 2022 class. I think this season, if they go out and have a 9-1, and 10-0 type year, that uh the 2022 class will really change as far as um you know what kids that we can realistically land in this class um but as far as uh losing with some other teams you know if uh how, how much will it weigh with covid and all of that i i really think it's just about the same as every other year to be honest just because um you know it's still it's still 60 minutes and there's still 11 11 guys on each side of the ball uh so i don't, I don't think too much that um if a team goes out there and goes you know two and eight per se uh, that's definitely going to be on the minds of some recruits that's the thing and when you're talking whether it's the nhl or the nba or something people talk about asterisks this season i mean if every team's playing by the same rules i don't see a need to put an asterisk on anything i mean you know it's there's not one competitive advantage for another it's you know for texas the kid, the guys on their schedule are going to be under the same conditions and so i think any win is a win i to think me. the only uh, uh, deserving asterisk is probably the mlb just because they're like intentionally throwing in so many different rule changes this year just to see how it will work and it's just kind of making the whole season really weird <laughs> yeah i haven't i can't lie i've not watched one day so um <laughs> Can't tell you anything about that. Uh, from Horny Bob, do we have any silent commitments? And if so, how many? Um, yes, I will answer. There are silent commitments. I will not answer how many. You guys know that. I don't like to give that stuff away. Um, Nick, I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, to that, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm not going to answer how many. Um, all right, from 
uh, a non-scout, uh, which positions do you think uh, we take the most of for the 2022 class and how many of each? I feel uh, DB, offensive line, and wide receiver will be the most. Yeah, I think uh, probably a big haul at DB. There's going to need to be a big haul at offensive line, especially after this class. I think wide receiver will be a big group if they get the guys they want, and I could see maybe D-line as well. Yeah, definitely offensive line after this 2021 class. They're definitely going to have to put together a four, five, six-person class on on the offensive line. Um, Wide receivers, just because there's so many good ones in 2022, I feel like it's just uh, it's going to be smart to take uh, more than usual. And the same thing at DB as well. There's a lot of good DBs in this class around the country um, and a couple of out-of-state kids like uh, Damani Jackson and Kamari Wilson that you know Texas is really involved in. So I think both all three of those position groups um, are definitely going to be some big takes. From Hornsfan7612, out of these running backs as recruits, which ones were your favorites? Uh, Jace McClellan, Zach Evans, Bijan Robinson, Kamar Wheaton, and LJ. Um, I mean, if you're talking to favorites as kids or favorites as, like, the best players, those are two very different discussions. Um, if we're talking about the best players I saw, I would probably rank it Bijan Robinson, Zach Evans, uh, Jace McClellan, LJ Johnson, and then Kamar Wheaton. If you're talking about my favorites as kids, Bijan Robinson, far and away number one. Um, Jace, two. LJ and Kamar, three and four. And Zach, five. <laughs> um, I'll just go with the players. I pretty much have a similar ranking as you. I go Bijan, one. Zach Evans, two. LJ, three. Jace, four. And Kamar, five. And y'all are sleeping on Jace. Y'all don't understand how good that dude is. Four year <laughs> starter. I mean, that's true. It's just like Alito running backs have rarely prove to be anything at the next level so i just worry i worry there i get that i get that um a non-scout also asked do you think texas will offer to caney cornerback Jaden robertson seems like he's flying under the radar uh but a guy like cooks if you offer early could make a huge difference down the road i don't know because 22 is going to be such a loaded cornerback in, in safety class and i think texas is really shooting for the top guys so um i don't I don't. It's not a name I've heard a ton when asked. Yeah, it's, I mean Texas is so involved with so many tier one guys that uh, a tier two kid like Jaden Robertson, while he may be pretty good, um, it's just not really somebody they need to put on their board quite yet. Um, and you know, I'm not a big fan of non-committable offers, and I feel like that would be one definitely if they were to offer right yeah, now. Yeah, twenty. 2022 is going to be a year where there are guys like Julian Humphrey in state where any other year Julian Humphrey would probably have an offer from Texas, but it's just the class is is what it is and so stacked. And I think Bobby Taylor would be a guy that Texas would be recruiting harder if the class wasn't so stacked. And um, you know those are all things that are um, that are different because there are so many guys that they feel like they're in on that are tier one or top level guys. Um, from Texas Rising, uh, what out-of-state targets does Texas have a legit shot with at landing in 21 or 22? Um, I feel like we should be able to do better nationally, aside from the class a couple years ago. And then uh, what under-the-radar pri- uh, prospects who don't have a Texas offer might blow up this year and could earn one? Um, out-of-state guys, I think we've talked about Demonte Jackson. We've talked about... Um, Kamari Wilson, Isaac Thompson from from St. Louis is another guy. I think Texas is is in a good standing with early in twenty two. Um, I don't know that there are really any other twenty one guys. I mean, they they've landed their share in twenty one for sure. Um, Jameer Johnson, Blake Helm, 
Michael Mazlinski, Jaden Alexis. They, they've landed some out-of-state guys, so um, I, th- I think they've done a pretty good job there despite COVID and, and those guys not really being able to take visits. Um, under the radar prospects, the, the like I said earlier in the show, the one guy I'm really looking at is Nick Martin from Pleasant Grove. I think he's a guy that could really blow up this year. Uh, yeah, I like those names you mentioned as far as the out-of-state targets to Monty Jackson, Kamari Wilson, Isaac Thompson. I also like Jaden Gold out of uh, New Jersey. Um, that's a kid that's really liking Texas right now, and he has a lot of connections with um, you know, the guys that came over from Rutgers, Chris Ash and Jay Valai. Um, that's another kid that I like uh, where Texas is at right now with them. Uh, some under-the-radar prospects. Um, you know, I had Jared Kerr a couple of weeks ago, and then he did land that Texas offer. Um, that's a kid I like a lot in 2022 uh, athlete um, recruit out of Lexington. Um, I think he's a kid that will really blow up nationally uh, in the next couple of weeks, too. Um, but as far as some other kids, I'm kind of blanking right now. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna have to answer that again next week. <laughs> okay, from um, our last question from Earl Thomas, 12. What makes JoJo Earl the best receiver in this class? Um, I think, and by the way, an update on JoJo Earl. Um, he was one of the visitors at that Tiger turnout thing, and uh, our good friend Billy Embody went out to Alito this week to go see him um, and and sent me some quotes that, that JoJo had given him, and basically it was to the tune of, you know, Texas and I still talk a lot, but I'm, I'm pretty locked in. And, um, you know, I think there was definitely some room for, for Texas to maybe flip him. Uh, before that visit, I think that visit really solidified his recruitment. So uh, that's kind of a blow for, for Texas still recruiting JoJo Earl, it, that they were uh, able to get him to Baton Rouge, and uh, he really clicked with the rest of the class. And I think that that now becomes more of a long shot to, to flip him down the stretch. Um, what makes him the best receiver in this class is, I mean, he's athletic, he can run, all of those things, but frankly, he's the best route runner I've seen in a long time. I mean, he really separates with his precision and his routes. Um, he just does all the little things well. Technically, he's always in the right place. And, um, you know, when you have that ability, plus you can uh, you can run and you're quick and, and all those things, I think that that's all that pans out. And I also think it's, uh, I mean, I, I really love JoJo. I think he's an elite player in any class, but I think it's also a bit of a down year at receiver. Yeah, he just checks all of the boxes as far as an elite slot receiver, whether it be at the high school level or the or the college level. Uh, I think he's a kid that's going to have great success. Um, but the the part about your question that I'm disagreeing with is that he's the best receiver in the class. You know, I've always gone with Cody Jackson, and I'm gonna stick to that. Well, I would disagree, <laughs> but okay, there we go. Um, and that's going to do it for the mailbag. That's all. So we appreciate you guys uh, for getting your questions in. Um, we appreciate you for doing those five-star reviews. Um, and uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, we are going to be fiddling with the schedule a little bit, especially when Thursday night games get started up and um, we're going to be all over the place. Uh, so we're probably maybe looking at a Wednesday recording, Thursday release from now on, but uh, we don't know for sure yet. We'll, we'll get that figured out and we'll get it to you. Uh, Nick, anything else to add before we get out? No, of- just excited to get down to the Texas Crossroads. <laughs> spend some time in the crossroads. Uh, you know what, man? I am. I was originally going to Lexington this week um, to uh, to see Jared Kerr, and then just kind of changed my schedule. I'm going to go to Kennedale um, and see and see JD Coffee. But um, last night on Netflix, my wife and I were watching uh, this thing called Chef's Table. Um, where they kind of go in depth with these like world class chefs, and one of them's on barbecue, and they go to this lady named Tootsie, who does uh, who runs Snow's Barbecue down in Lexington, 
and it is you know snows is one of the like hollowed like texas barbecue joints and uh she's like this 85 year old woman who's their pit master and she's also like the custodian at giddings high school um <laughs> and now i'm kind of, i'm super bummed i'm not going to lexington it looks uh, like we're gonna have to make I don't know that, at some point <laughs> yeah apparently you, you have to go on they only serve on saturdays so you have to go in at like 6 a.m. and get in line like you would at Franklin's or something like that. But, uh, man, it was really, really good show. I, I definitely recommend That's that. That's weird. Um, yeah, uh, check it out for, if you have some time on Netflix called Chef's Table Barbecue. Um, all right. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.